podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Not the Nina Calza Show because I'm not from Manchester and I don't sound like Nina. Uh, I am Guy, she is busy skiving, um, that is the reason, I presume. Uh, but I have a win to talk about. And introducing my first guest, which is Justin Wells. We thought this was going to be our... That was our last podcast in the FA Cup. But I got a substitute appearance and we got redemption. Yeah, I mean, look, we saw Brighton one time too many. That was annoying. We've seen Wolves for a fourth time this season. And you know what? Don't need to see them again. But on the bright side, at least we're leaving them with a bad taste in their mouths. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Wolves and Brighton, never again. Um, not till next year, please. We also have my partner in crime on the occasional podcast. We'll go with that. One up is Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. It's It's been far too long. It really has, but I blame I blame Liverpool. <laughs> Made me in a bad mood for video games as well. But how are you, Carl? Not too bad at all. Um, Good glad, glad to to finally get my first win of the season. I mean, my first appearance of the the season was the three 0 loss to Wolves, unfortunately. So I, I feel I've gotten a bit of redemption today. So that's that's good. You know, minus one <laughs> goal difference. Uh, well, there's, there's plenty of more games against Wolves. I presume you can make that. Oh, up. Uh, guy, we've actually played Wolves four times this season, and it is five five on aggregate. That is horrific. <laughs> uh, that summarizes our season pretty well, Justin. Thanks for that. And that's been the show. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, dearie. Uh, but people listening live on Discord, this is still a call-in show, so do feel free to message me. Just tag me in the Discord. And if I'm not paying attention, just spam it and I'll eventually notice. Um, but we'll get into the game um, with the starting 11s, and I'll stick with you, Carl. Um... It was a strange one because the Palace game we obviously drew nil nil, but it was more the quality of the performance rather than the result because it was the worst game of football I've ever seen. So we were expecting some changes, and we did make some because we basically changed the uh, entire midfield. Yes, I think we did. Um, brought Ibu back in after his injury and tinkered with up front as well. So it was nice to see some changes and. Obviously, we'll get into the, the halves as we go, but you could see it, it was certainly better than Palace, but maybe not back to our sparkling best in the first half, at least. Yeah, I mean, as you say, the, the Palace game was abysmal. It was a game of football in which I don't think either side wanted to win the game, uh, which says it all. And you, you would expect changes after that. And actually, I was on the Discord on, on Monday and I posted kind of two teams, one team I wanted and one team which I expected. And surprisingly, it was actually the team I wanted that I got. Um, so I was quite happy when I saw the, 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 the team leak about 20 minutes before it was officially put up um, and was hoping that that would indeed be the team, which, which of course it was. Um, now, I will say... Um, to, to be honest, I was hoping it would be more kind of a 4-4-2, and I think it was more of a 4-3-3. A three, three. But, but mm-hmm. all the same, it, it was it was good to see the changes that were made. Of course, it was good to see Kanate back there. Um, I, I think up until this point in the season, him and Virgil have only played three games together, but we, we'd we won all three, and we'd only faced 
nine shots on target across those three games, which is pretty impressive. And it makes you wonder if we'd had them available more often, would we have gotten more points on the board? Mm-hmm. It's great to see him back in there. You know, for me, Andy Robertson's looked really burned out of late, and I think that mm-hmm. led to inconsistency. So uh, I think we've been dying for Simicast to come in and give him a rest, and I think he, he deputized well. Um, we wanted to see more youth in midfield after seeing uh, Henderson and Milner, who just, you know, they they, they tried. You know, they, uh, particularly Milner, he's one of the players who I think was trying ag- against Palace, but there's just nothing in the tank there. You just can't get around the place. So to have Elliot and, and Badgetage in there and, and have some, some youth and liveliness is, is certainly a positive. And of course, we we're happy to see Nunes back there because I think he was kind of the spark that we lacked against Palace. You know, mm-hmm. It was a real blow that, that uh, he, he couldn't make it through the shoulder injury. So I think there were positive changes by Klopp and I think they certainly paid dividends. Yeah, they certainly did, and we'll get we'll get into some of the players that that came in as we go along. But just, I mean, feel free to mention anything about the Liverpool lineup, but anything from the Wolves lineup you felt found interest. I mean, they did play four and a half midfielders basically, which I, at the time I thought may have been just to counteract us, which it kind of did in the first half. Um, but any anything interesting from their team, and feel free to mention our team as well. Yeah, I was a little bit shocked to uh, see Bueno play over Aitnori considering that Aitnori has been typically very good against Mohamed Salah mm. in, in, in head-to-head matchups and uh, instead I mean he was forced on because Bueno uh, you're going to kill me for this joke uh, you know he was no Bueno um, went out with an injury pretty quickly uh, no. yeah it was a bad joke no. but I, was also, I was also a bit shocked that um, Raul Jimenez uh, started he has, he's been in and out of their squad this season and he just looks completely shot as a footballer. Um, I think that that played into our hands because they really, you know, they had they had one really strong set of chances early in the match. And if they actually had a, a forward who is in better form and able to tuck those things away, we might be talking about a very different match where we would have gotten, uh, you know, kick quickly and and been, and been the, oh, no, not this again kind of mode. But uh, thankfully that didn't come. And uh, we, you know, we, we really uh, took them apart. Yeah, we really did. I mean, Justin, I'll stick with you for the start of the game because it, it started off quite basketball-y. I mean, it was a bit end-to-end, a bit midfield, just kind of there for pure vibes more than anything. But it was a really open start to the game. Yeah, I mean, four minutes in, they have a uh, a chance off of a corner that is... Bicycle kicked and headed wide, and for some reason, uh, Foot Mob had rated and opted had rated that like a 0.7 xG chance, and that <laughs> I mean, that's that that's not it. That is a very difficult chance to score. But after that, they 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 didn't really muster much. Um, they basically once they got discouraged by not scoring within the first ten minutes, they uh, just they just didn't have anything going forward. I do think a lot of that was. Uh, Virgil van Dyke just looking fucking fantastic today. Um, mm. He was just absolutely commanding. And we had some, but I think we had some players that actually showed some things in the first half that they haven't shown in a while. Um, I'm specifically speaking about Fabinho, who. Yes, he was going to be my next player to discuss. <laughs> given two guys next to him who can run, and I know that Harvey isn't necessarily, you know, the most commanding physical presence, but he runs, he moves a lot. Bicetich is very active. And if you give Fabinho less ground to cover, 
he's going to be able to put out fires because there are fewer of them. And I thought, I thought that that really, really, really worked for us. And I, I'd like to see us continue with, uh, if we're going to play Fabinho in the six, that we give him runners on either side because simplify everything for him, simplifies everything for the center backs and gives us an actual platform to start building play. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, Carl, I'll come to you on Fabinho because I'd agree with Justin there. I think he was... He wasn't clearly back to his best, but in terms of his season's performance, his his performances this season, I should say, it it was probably one of his best ones. And it's no shock that he is with with Batatic and Elliot, who I agree with Justin. He's a willing runner, maybe not the best defensively, but he is a winger and 20-year-old, so fair enough. Um, But yeah, Carl, Fabinho, it's... It's a, it's a weird one to discuss because he's been so important for us over the years, but it just seems like you can't play him with Henderson anymore and you probably can't play him with Milner anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a tricky one. I mean, there's, I just, uh, the, the last two podcasts I think um, I've been on, um, actually, no, yeah, I forgot Fabinho didn't really play the last one, but I, obviously last time I was at against Wolves, the, the 3-0, um, and we, we talked about Fabinho's decline there, and it's, it, you just can't quite put your finger on it. Like, I've never seen a player lose so much pace in such a short period of time, um, and it, it, it does kind of give you a headache as to how to use him, and I think as well it's, it's played on his mind, because we, we've seen kind of this season, it, it's not just that he's slower, it's, it, it's seems to have knocked his confidence you know he's not he wasn't reading the game as well as he he can he you know he wasn't as good on the ball but I think we've definitely seen an upturn for him in in recent weeks uh the the Madrid game aside obviously um whereby he is reading it better and you know he he is a little better on the ball um although he he could have been better on the ball when he had the chance to to set Nunes up for a a, a nice mm-hmm. easy tap in but uh let's not talk, dwell too much on that um but but he is playing better and I, I think it is important when you have the the runners around him as as Justin said I I, I think him and Batisic are, are kind of striking up um somewhat of a, a partnership in there and understanding and and that's positive because you know we don't have you know I, I keep saying in on discord and twitter and like I, I don't think there's a midfield Klopp can name that we can say that's a good midfield because we just don't have the personnel but we need to be able to name a midfield that we can say that, that that's acceptable you know that's that's uh, you know workable it's it's passable you know it, it's going to be able to grind out 
some results and, and keep us in contention for top four. And I, I think maybe Fabinho and, and Batadic are, are potentially the, the, the two key components of that. Although I do think it is important to, to rotate Fabinho somewhat because I don't think he's he's capable of playing every game anymore. But it, it is a positive to, to see that we can get some kind of functional system going in, in the centre of the park. Yeah, certainly has been such a... Well, basically, it's just been a shit season in that position. It, it really has. I mean, nothing's worked there. And we, we mentioned the positives of Basetic. We will definitely focus on Basetic as the game goes on. But he is an 18-year-old kid. He should probably not be playing um, in an ideal situation. But he is, and he's doing really well, um, just to say that. But we'll, we'll focus on Basetic in a, in a, in a little while. Um, but let, let's, let's get through some more of the game um, moments. I mean, we have that fab... Pass opportunity to Darwin that you mentioned there, Carl. That was on 10 minutes. Um, it was probably a foul anyway, especially with Paul Tini in charge, which we will definitely discuss very soon um, because he is awful. Um, then we get Bassett's yellow card, which was bad, but it wasn't the worst yellow card of the game. Um, a nice ball uh, run and ball from Moore to Jota, who tries to do a backheel Darwin thing. Um, just, I mean... It's a it's a weird one because uh, shall we talk about Jota because he had such a well the old shit cliche he had a game of two halves I think I think first half the rust was still there and he still couldn't move whereas second half he looked back to it not to his best obviously but he looked able to move <laughs> yeah I mean in many ways it was kind of a uh, a, a a vintage Diego Jota performance because. I, I spent 60 minutes being like, well, what's he doing? You got to get him off the pitch. And then, you know, props up with basically just putting a ball on a tee to Virgil's head. Right. So he's, he, he's kind he's funny because he's obviously a very good footballer and he's an absolute predator when anything drops near him in the box. But really early, he just looked like he couldn't get the ball out of his feet. His timing was off. Um, tried to over dribble in a lot of situations. And just, I, I think that the you haven't we haven't seen him play much with Darwin, so that's that's what takes a lot of uh, acclimatization, especially to Darwin, because you have no idea what he's actually going to do. Like he doesn't know what he's going to do. It's so, fantastic as well. <laughs> yeah, so like, how so? How do you play with a player like that if you haven't had enough time on the pitch to maybe you know get a best guess as to what he might do? But. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was he was really just having a lot of trouble just getting around the pitch early, and I'm glad he grew into it because we're going to need him down the stretch of the season. He's a he's a critical component for us. He's like his ability, like like I mentioned, to pop up in big spots in, in games where he's had no influence and do something that's decisive is what this team's been missing. Right, we've been missing guys who just take advantage of half chances and. Glad, glad that he, uh, that he, that he, you know, was there. Yeah, he really was. He, he really was. It was nice to see that last thirty minutes or so before he he did get subbed off, didn't he? I think he did. Um, if he didn't, who cares? But no, he, he finished the game well. And that's that's a really nice sign because he has been mega rusty, understandably so, with with his um, long term injury. And rare injury by the sounds of it. I'm sure they said they've not seen an injury like that before, how a physios or something like that, which is not a good sign. Um, I mean, Carla, I'll, I'll make it open-ended to you because the first half wasn't 
the most eventful. So is, is there any situation or anyone you would like to talk about, Carl? Um, I mean, uh, Harvey Elliott, obviously, um, you know, as, as Justin touched on earlier, you know, he, he, he got around a lot, you know, he, he gave a lot of energy um, and it just so happened probably our, our best chances fell to him in, in that half. You know, he had a, a shot that he, he put directly at Sa and then obviously towards the end of the, the half, you know, I think um, speaking about Jota kind of brought you know, Fabinho won the the ball in midfield, and it ends up with with Jota from the challenge, and and he does well to play it out to Nunes, who who puts in a a great cross to Elliot, and he should do better with his header. He he doesn't manage to get it on target. Yeah, absolutely. It's a poor header. Um, but I mean, it, it was great to see him popping up in, in those positions. I think he had another chance then in the the second half because on on another day, you know, he you know. They may well come off him, and he might end up with a couple of goals. Um, so it, it is positive, I think, as well as his impact from the bench against Palace, where he injected a little bit of life into to what was a dead dog on on the day. So it, it is good to see him. I, I still don't think he's the ideal solution in centre mid. I'd, I'd prefer to mm-hmm. see him wider, or you know, maybe in behind the striker. But um, you know, it, it's positive signs from a young lad to see him getting himself into those positions and as I said on another day that the finish may well come yeah Elliot's a strange one isn't he because he's not you can see if if we were at our best in midfield and we saw that before his injury last season yeah um, it worked um, whereas this season no one's been at the best and it's not really worked but I think we mentioned that already the midfield with Fabinho and Basetic looked somewhat well looked competent as a, as a baseline and then Elliot he wasn't actually sparkling best, but he he did he did Elliot things. Justin, do you want to add anything in there? Yeah, I mean, there is one thing that he does offer in the midfield, which he which is is the thing that gets uh, glossed over in what you want from a midfielder, but is important, which is he progresses the ball. Right? You do want you do need players who move the ball through the middle mm-hmm. phase, and we have you know the best player in the world in doing that than Tiago. But without him, the one thing that is kind of missing from our midfield, um, unless Nabby's playing, is a ball progressor, someone who can either carry it or pass the ball into the into forward areas and, and, and you know, get you up the pitch. And he, he, did, he did that reasonably well. Now, Carl mentioned his header, and at the time that I saw that, the only thing that was going through my head was, I can't picture a player I want finishing a headed opportunity less than Harvey Elliott. Maybe Joel Matter. <laughs> I, I was literally thinking the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. It's a strange one. But we did get redemption because we kind of scored a set piece on the second goal later on. Um, Carl, I'll, I'll come back to you. I mean, I asked um, Justin about the Wolves team and obviously pending a signing, we are very strongly rumoured to be signing Mateus Nunes, who will have to then be called Mateus because too many Nuneses. Um, there was that one moment where he, he skinned about five people and I think everyone went, yeah, he wants that move. But he didn't seem to get involved outside of that. I mean, it's hard to judge when we were probably the clear, clearly the better team, especially the second half where they were nullified quite quite a lot and I think he got subbed off quite early as well it, it's a strange one because 
we should have signed him for 37 mil or whatever it was in the summer. But he looks good, but he's not really shown consistently enough in the times I've watched Wolves, which isn't loads, to be honest. But what's your thoughts on potential signing of Mateus Nunes there? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I haven't seen too much of him. But from what I have seen of him, you know, he is a good carrier of the ball. I mean, we saw that, as you said, when he beat about six players. And I think we saw even more evidence of it when he came on against us in the Cup. Um, that is a real strength of yes. his. And, and in some sense, he can remind me of Wijnaldum, you know, in, in terms of that ability to carry the ball forward. Um, but I have to say, in what I've seen of him so far, I haven't seen much else outside of that. And when I'm looking at some of the other names linked to us, I, I just think maybe they have more in their locker. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if he does end up coming across, you know, there, there is something to, to work with there. He, he does maybe bring something that we, we do lack and have lacked since when Adam left, which is that ball carrier in midfield. So, um, you know, of course, we're we're going to trust in the, the process if he, if he does indeed end up signing for us and, and we'll, we'll see how he does. But I don't think it was his best game today, certainly. And I think there's a reason why we, we saw him subbed off fairly early. Yeah, they were really they were kind of struggling to get control of the game in the um, in the second half, especially, weren't they? Um, Justin, your, your thoughts on him? Yeah, it's it's a strange run with him, isn't it? Because I think he's a really player yeah. to judge for how he'd fit us because Carl's right; he does have that ball carrying ability, but it's so hard to tell because of just how Wolves play, where they you know they sit very deep. The other two midfielders with him are Ruben Neves, who, for all the things that he can do, can't move. And Mario Lamina, who is defensively active, but, you know, I, I, I don't particularly think Mario Lamina is a particularly good ball player. And then Jan Moutinho in front of him, who is, you know, 80. Yeah, he's around my age. But, and I'm not the prime age for a, for a professional footballer. Um, I think it's a situation where you could see the skills and how you'd want to use him, but... I, I, I would think that I, I think I'm with Carl. I think if there are other players who were linked to who are a bit more who just have a bit more about their game, I'd prefer that. Yeah, I think it's more at this at this stage it's like the what's the opposite of the devil you know? <laughs> I want the new shiny thing I've not seen rather than the thing I've seen a couple times and not really been impressed by. So yes. Whatever the saying is for that. Um, where are we on the gear? I mean, we had that Nunes skinning people moment. We had Moutinho diving like a little bitch at his own corner because Moore was getting assaulted by him and then fell over. Uh, we had the Harvey 50p header. We had the Moutinho high boot. Um, we are still the only team in the world who have been booked or sent off for a high boot. Not saying he should have been sent off, but you got to bring it up. Um... Some nice play from us, Trent Ball to Darwin, chest out to Elliot. Yeah, that was a lovely play from us, which we mentioned um, we wasted a count. I mean, that is basically the first half. Just, I mean, it's not the not the most exciting half, but you, you see little things. I mean, Darwin, Darwin, let, let's talk about Darwin because he is the exciting one and he has been a source of frustration this season. I think that's fair to say, but he has been the source of basically 90% of our excitement this season as well. He's a really weird player, and I kind of hate him, but love him at the same time. 
I, I, I just want him to be able to do something simple. And he almost, and he did, but then, you know, we, and we're going to get to obviously the referees because they, they deserve their own, their own segment. But it was actually really nice to see, even though the goal was disallowed, him just shoot a ball from the six yard box simply that he's just passed into the net. Like he's, he's one where most, a lot of the goals he scored this season have been absolutely sublime. But what we need from him is sometimes also just finish the routine chances. And to be fair, that was the only routine chance he had all match. Like he was all over the place and terrorizing them, but didn't have, I think his usual shot output, which is fine because in the end he, uh, you know, he, he frightens defenders and you, you need guys like that. He, he's, um, he's doing bits of what Mane would do for us only in a very different way because they are very, very different. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Um, I mean, Carl, what, what do you make of it? I mean, it's, it's obviously been long discussed now because he has been morphed into a left winger, left forward type player. And, and I can see why. Obviously, it's been Gakpo in recent weeks, and um, Jota's obviously back. And you don't really want Darwin doing the tippy tappy link up bullshit because I don't think he can do that. Um, whereas you see him on the left, he has he does do the defensive work. Probably does more defensive work than more. Does tasked with more defensive work than more. I should probably word that as. Um, but he, he's a re- he, he's giving it his all in a new position for him. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, we saw him play some minutes there earlier in the season and, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure it quite works, but obviously, you know, Klopp has stuck at it and we've, we've seen more of him there lately and it, it's certainly paying dividends. I, I think his, his unpredictability is, is quite the weapon out there where there's a lot more space for him. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he's ready yet to play as a, a sole striker for us. So really, you have to be looking at him either wide or in the front two if, if we go 4-4-2. So I, I think it is the right move. And, you know, he's, he seems to improve in game by game. And, you know, we, we know we all know the stats. We know the amount of big chances he's missed. We, we you know, we know the amount of times he, he gets in on goal. And you just feel that, if just just a slight tick up from he could just start banging in the goals, you know, maybe not quite Haaland style, but but almost there. Like you know, there is a goal scoring machine in there. I feel you know it's it's clear to all to see. Like he's such a danger. Well, statistically, isn't he like an absolute output machine? Obviously, his shooting may not be as prolific as a Haaland. Probably should Justin will probably know more so than me. I. He, he he hangs out with Kev more than I do, so he gets all the stats um, and Lubo as well. But no, isn't Darwin like an output machine? Obviously, it's just been the big chances missed. Isn't isn't that one of the issues? Isn't he a statistical profile beast? He is just just to give you the output numbers of of all players who have played enough minutes. He has the highest uh, non pen xG plus any of any in the league. He's he he's actually at over one per ninety as far as goal involvements that are expected, which is. Um, that's that's monstrous, mm. and you, and you can see it as well as, as you say, Carl. I mean, if he if he does develop into that central striker and say more becomes somewhat of a more of a creator, but we'll talk about more understated or maybe not underrated because I think more's been. We'll get to it. We'll get to more. But is it will Moore's goal numbers are still there? Maybe he can become more creative if that drops off at all. 
but Diaz comes back and he's more creative as well, so there'll be plenty of options for for um, for Darwin to score goals. Um, let's get into the second half because this was certainly the more interesting half from our our point of view as well. Um, Adama comes on for Sarabia, who got booked um, quite late. I think he got booked late on in the in the half and wasn't the most impactful. But Adama came on, oiled up, ready to go. Fantastic. Um, we start quite well. Dawson blocks a really nice shot from Trent, which was nice work on the left. Um, then Jota gets monster tackled by Dawson. Don't worry, lads. We're still going to talk about the referee because there's not really. Uh, we got to talk about. Well, there's two horrendous decisions, but we'll get into them both. Um, oh, yeah, Eight Nuri nearly skins Ebu, but Ebu defends it well after getting fouled. Um, by the way, it wasn't a foul. Did, by the way, it wasn't. <laughs> it probably wasn't. But did anyone else have um, Stephen Warnock as a commentator tonight? I think everybody. I think we all did because I think that was just the uh, like. Is that just the feed? I think that was just the feed. He's terrible. He is the most like I am quite pessimistic, but he is he's worse than Carragher by about ten times. I I think he's an extreme example of the I'm commentating on my former club, so I have to be really harsh on them, and. You know, I, I think this all stems from Neville because I think when Neville first came on Sky, he was ridiculously pro-United and he obviously got pulled up for it. And then after that, he suddenly became United's biggest critic. And I think Carragher came on and from the offset, he was a big Liverpool critic. But Warnock, as you said, just just makes even Carragher seem positive. Like it's 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 bizarre. Like even by the end of the game, he he was claiming that you know he he was basically blaming. Uh, Wolves getting their subs wrong rather than giving Liverpool any credit like it's crazy what a shit performance by the 2-0 winners of Liverpool there. It, it was really like I, I've seen him on Sky and he seems sometimes quite insightful but on commentary just a negative bastard um, it's really odd um, I just don't get how you can be that negative about a half where nothing happened regardless, regardless <laughs> yeah nothing happened in the first half and in the second half Wolves didn't manage to take a shot on target. Yeah. Right. I don't know how you can get negative about a team about that happening. Is that it? There is no way for a team to not get a shot on target if they haven't defended well. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's it doesn't and like you, yeah sure you can sit there and say that Wolves got their substitutions wrong, but you know it's a they're they're a mid table Premier League side. Well, playing towards the bottom of the table this season, but they've been a mid table Premier League side for. Years since Lopetegui came in, they've been a bit And they're 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 a decent team. They're they're playing in good form. They just came up against a Liverpool side today that was ready for whatever. Oh they <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, referee time. It's not even the disallowed goal. Um, Fabinho Justin gets booked for nearly getting his leg broken. Disgusting. Okay. I have so many problems with this. First off. Tierney didn't see the tackle, right? He didn't. And he's only giving the card because of Lamina's reaction. I I can't, like, disclose to you how disgusted I am by that kind of refereeing, right? You're there to referee the situation. You're not there to referee the reaction. And, you know, is Fabinho mildly late? Is it maybe a foul on a fab? Sure, possibly fine. But, um giving that a yellow card considering the fact that it's basically a 50 50 ball and neither one of them have gone in. Like they've, they've both gone in out of control. Um, mm. 
Lamina is the first one to ground. How are you giving that a yellow card? Ah, you didn't see it. You're, you're basing it solely on Lamina just rolling around hurt. And he's just so easy to con. And it, every single time Tierney referees us, I'm reminded of the fact that Klopp, you know, said, I don't have a problem with referees. I just have a problem with you. And I can see why. Because he sucks at his job. He is fucking dreadful. Like, I know Howard Webb's been sacking lads recently, and it's long overdue ones like Lee Mason. But you Tierney's one of the senior ones. We had David Cook referee a cup final the other day. This is not good standard. I... No, it's not. And, 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 the, and the guy doing VAR, Stuart Atwell, is also one of the worst referees in the league. He makes up rules as he goes along, as we'll fucking get on to in a minute with the goal. But gee, it's just... It's, they're not referees. They're doing performance art with, uh, with, 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 with shirts and cards. And they're, getting, they're getting paid a fucking decent wedge to be fucking tragic at the job. I can't. Can you? Can you? I can't name a good referee. I cannot name. I, I, I used to think it was Michael Oliver, but even he's been shit lately. Pretty fucking awful now. But like, th- this is the part that also. Th- this is the other part about how Tierney refereed this match that gets me right. What's the purpose of a referee? Right. It's one: make sure the rules are followed, and two: make sure nobody gets injured. And Tierney's inter- Tierney's refereeing and engagement in this game. Just he, he allowed for the temperature to simmer rather than to try to take it to, to take it down, and it's the opposite of what you need him to do. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, he was. We we don't really crowd refer. I don't think we'd have that type of team. I think you can get Henderson. Obviously, get shouty at times because well, he's from Sunderland. That's what he does. Milner's kind of calm headed. Van Dyke can seem it because he's six foot a million and he's massive. But we we're not like. I think Arsenal are probably the best example of it. United, obviously, Fernandes. And t- I don't think we're that type where to go around crowding it. Wolves, not really as well. It just seemed like he was getting influenced by nothing as well. It was so weird. Yeah, it's not like a Mourinho-Chelsea team. Where no, exactly. Balls, the entire, all 11 men are around the ref. Yeah. He was getting influenced by nothing. He's just a weak, fucking, piss-covered napkin of a person. Oh, really? What the fuck? Awful. And Carl, I will come back to you for your opinion on refereeing when we get to the disallowed goal. So don't worry about that. Um, yeah, in my note, I like to say Tierney's fucking shit. Um, Harvey has the next shot of the game from the edge of the box. Quite a weak shot. Uh, then my next note is Jota in fifth. And this is probably when he starts playing well. So you're welcome, question mark. <laughs> um, big tackle by Kilman. I think that was on Jota um, after a bit of messing about at the back. Uh, Wolves do some more subs and then Carl it is well I thought it was 1-0 at the time on my 2 minute behind stream and then no it wasn't it was delayed it was um, Vard out but yeah it's it's a really this is when Jota stepped up Carl I think he, he does a cheeky little run uh, skins a couple people gets a shot off um, the ball falls to Darwin and then he puts it away and then Jota gets fouled into someone and they disallow it yeah, I mean, I felt throughout the game that Jota was definitely putting in energy, but things weren't quite coming off for him. But I think as the game went on, things started to come off for him. And this is a great kind of dribble towards the box. I think he gets challenged just outside the box, but he, he, he stays on his feet and he follows through on the ball. And then 
it seemed to me that Semedo kind of pushes him in the back or nudges him in the back. I'm not saying it was a full-on push, but he definitely collides with him. And then Jota falls over into Kilman and the ball spills out. For me, it's, you know, it's it's just a play on. It's, you know, it's a, it's a coming together of players and, the, you know, Nunes is well in his right to take the ball and slot it in. I, I just, I just don't understand how it's a foul. Like Jota, Jota doesn't, for it to be a foul for me, Jota has to deliberately make contact with Kilman. He doesn't. Mm. He's falling because he's been pushed by a Wolves player. I mean, that, that for me, should be a goal and it should go down as... I wouldn't even say a blunder by Semedo because I, I think, it's as I said, it's not a full-on push. I think it's just in the heat of the moment that, you know, he, he just plays instinctively and goes into Jota. Like... It is what it is. It should just stand. There is no foul for me. Like I, I just don't understand the the refereeing. And you know, you you discussed the the, the Fabinho yellow card already. Like it's just two completely baffling decisions that I found myself shouting at my TV over. As you do, like it's it's just bizarre. Like as you said, that the standard of refereeing in this country is is just. Or like in that country rather actually I'm not not in your country um, it, it's just abysmal and I, when I watch kind of European games or I watch kind of games in Spain and stuff and I'm watching the ref and you know, there's, there's never these kind of I'm not saying there's never these kind of calls but there's rarely there's the Premier that, League who's that bald Spanish ref who just goes rogue is it La Hoz or something he we should bring him to the Premier League he feels like he'd fit in <laughs> We should just we should just um kind of clone the brain of Kalina and make a load of Android referees. <laughs> That's the way forward. Well we're not far off. I mean we've got we've got um AI offside rule now in the Champions League. So we can bin off the assistant refs who aren't good at the job as well. We get people with eyes to use VAR and then we just need someone to blow a whistle. Like just get a dog or someone can pay a charity to do it or something. Someone's <laughs> mum and dad can do it like a like a Sunday league. Sounds, sounds good to me. Definitely an exactly. improvement on on what we have because the I mean the officiating in this league is just it's just awful. Like it's every week there's you know multiple bad calls being tossed around social media. You know pictures of clear you know offsides that were given that weren't offside. You know fouls that were missed non-fouls that were given. There's just It's just so many bad decisions. Whereas in another league, genuinely, there, there might be like one controversial call a week. And, you know, I, I'm all for humans are humans. There's going to be human error. There's, there's room for that. But, you know, this just it completely takes the biscuit. Yeah, the thing is, if it was like a one-off, say, we had, who's a very random referee, Chris Kavanagh or something like that, I don't remember him being particularly shit for us, but I do with Paul Tierney. <laughs> Every game, as you mentioned earlier, just say it's just yeah, it's uh, it's it really is in the toilet. The refereeing standing Stuart Atwell and Bart is the most random lad in the in the league in terms of refereeing. So yeah, he's, he's no upgrade either. Um, I mean, Justin, feel free to add anything on the disallowed goal. But before we get to our actual first goal, I just wanted to focus in on Ebu. Um, Justin, is Ibu possibly our most important player at the minute? Because without Matip and Gomez in there, we look like we can defend like we used to. Yeah, I mean, I not once today did I feel remotely threatened from a set piece. So hmm. that was a drastic improvement. Um, I would say that Ibu or Darwin right now are our most important players. Yes, 
Um, I, think, I think it's the two of them. Ibu was rusty for about 55 minutes mm-hmm. of work. Right. I think once once that foul that was, you know, when it, or he skinned him and he got away with the, the foul, once that happened, Ibu kind of clicked into another gear and just started just bossing who, it, whoever was running towards him in, in Wolves' uh, front line. Um, we need to keep him healthy. Uh, we need to keep him healthy. Him and uh, Verge together are – it's an elite defensive pairing, and – it's certainly helpful to like as good as Ibu was. Virgil Van Dyke today looked like the Virgil of 2019. He was just incredible. He really was. He really was. And you'll have to remind me to do man of the match stuff because I don't normally do that on mine, but I know Nina does. Uh, but he certainly. I think both of them probably be in the reckoning. Virgil probably the standout because. I know it's Wolves and they didn't really threaten, but every little thing, even just like little shit back passes we did, which could have been caught, it was just always there. It was cleaning up. Um, and his passing was fantastic as well. Um, uh, Carl, sounds like you were going to jump in there. Anything to add on the two centre-backs? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Justin suggested it earlier in, in that you know Van Dyke seemed back to, to his very best today, um, which is positive to say. And when we need that, you know, we, we certainly need that if we're, we're going to make any kind of attempt on, on salvaging this season. But also, Kanate, now, you know, of course he looked rusty at times. That's inevitable when you've been out for, for a few weeks. But I think we saw two things that we've, we've missed with the other two centre-backs playing lately. I, I think, you know, Kanate's a much more intelligent defender than Joe Gomez. I mean, I'm a big fan of Joe Gomez and I think he's been very unlucky with injuries and obviously that's affected his his mindset. That's clear to say. But, you know, Gomez is very much kind of a, you know, an instinctual defender. You know, he's all about high energy and, you know, pace and flying into tackles. But I think Kanate is a lot smarter. He reads the game a lot better than Gomez. But then... At the same time, you know, Matip, and Matip's been particularly bad lately, but, you know, I don't think strength has ever really been Matip's forte and, and nor has, has pace. He's, he's, he's their slowest centre half, um, but he's smart. And, you know, but his weaknesses have been targeted more so lately, I feel. But Kanate, you know, he doesn't have either player's weakness. It's like he has the, the brains of, of Matip combined with the, the physical prowess of Joe Gomez. And, you know, obviously he's a lot taller than Joe Gomez. And, and, and the assuredness of Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know, as Justin suggested, I didn't feel like we we faced much danger on, on corners today, whereas lately they've felt like penalties against us, to be honest. So, I mean, it's massive to have those two. I mean, as, as I suggested earlier, in the, the run-up to, to now, they, they had a 100% record, but unfortunately that was only in three games. Now it's up to four games, four wins, and they've only faced 10 shots on target in, in that time, which is is huge. Like, Because if, if you're not facing shots on target, chances are you're not conceding goals. I mean, that, that's just massive because, you know, I think Allison has had to be so big for us this season because we face so many shots on target. But when those two are there, Allison has a lot less to do. And when he does have to do it, we know we can rely on him to do it. And, and for that reason, 
despite the fact we're coming up against a, a Manchester United side on the weekend that are, are in good form, you know they're they're uh, they've, they've recently won a cup, and um, you know they're they're in third place in the league. One tonight as well. <clears throat> like yeah, they're 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 flying. You know, uh, Rashford is arguably the most informed attacker in the the league. You know, either him or Haaland, you'd you'd say in in recent weeks. Definitely Darwin. <laughs> Definitely yeah, well, yeah Nunes certainly a bit of shout if you, if you can just get more in the back of the net but despite that you know I'm not I have some belief that we can get something there because I, I think that Kanate and Van Dijk can, can keep them quiet you know I have that fate as long as we have those two back there as, as poor as the, the midfield can be you know as questionable as we are maybe at the, the fullbacks at times I, I just have full faith in in that kind of trio of Alisson Van Dijk and Konate to kind of see us through Konate also disguises one of our biggest weaknesses and allows us to play a bit a bit more which is it's a lot tougher to target Trent Alexander-Arnold with him there yeah, yeah, because that, that man is rapid. He is a freak. Well, he's, he's a freak of nature. He's just pure athleticism. Like he would be six foot four, fast as fuck. It's just he is a monster. I think if Klopp was building a centre back, it would be Ibu Kanata. Well, it'd be Van Dyke, and then version two would probably be Ibu Kanata, and which would basically what we've done, which is fantastic. I'd just do that with the midfield. Um, but hey ho, summer talk. Um, not to bring it down. Justin, we get a goal. We have to wait because everyone thinks it'll probably get VAR off anyway because referees are still shit. But it was nice. We do a good set piece, which is probably the first time this season, maybe. Uh, Trent whips it in. Van Dyke backs it toward goal, I think. Uh, I think Saar saves it or it hits the post and Jota tips it back in and Van Dyke um, just plods it home so we get a goal it's a bit of a scruffy goal but I think we've mentioned this kind of throughout it was almost I don't think it was the competency of old Liverpool of yesteryear but this is kind of the performance we get a shit goal and then we're never in doubt about the uh, about the result it kind of felt like that to me anyway because of the confidence of the centre-backs we just mentioned yeah one where if I knew, I had a feeling if we went up one nil, we were gonna, we were, we were winning. Like it felt like this was the type because we were well in control at this point. And typically, when you're well in control and you score, it doesn't tend to roll downhill for you. And it didn't. Um, on that goal, you have like I think you really have to uh, praise first off the ball in from Trent. Virgil actually scuffs the header, but yeah, Diogo Jota being super aware of where the ball is and not giving up on the play is what we needed there. Like, that that was the lift we needed. And there's every chance that we probably go nil-nil for 90 minutes again if that doesn't happen. But, you know, it, it really, it just, it was a game-changing moment. And as, you know, you give Virgil van Dyke a header in the middle of the goal with nobody around him like that, um, and, yeah, it's 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 going to end up in the back of the net. There, there's no place else that can go. Um, just, just a, uh, it, it felt a little bit like the old set-piece pool. And, uh, you know, when, when the second ball, even if you don't get it, even if the first one doesn't go in and just get it back on target as fast as you can. Um, we didn't give them a chance to clear their lines. We didn't give them a chance to do anything. And from that moment out, we, we, we throttled them. Yeah, we absolutely did. We absolutely did. And, and Carl, feel free to add anything on the goal that you want to. But it's been a weird time 
for Jurgen Klopp, obviously, at Liverpool, because he's probably been slagged off more so than ever, and probably deservedly slow, so. And maybe use criticise rather than slag off. Um, but I think we have to give Klopp praise. I think he's obviously got the team selection right. But my main positive, Carl, from Jurgen Klopp, is when we got the goal, we obviously just made the one sub later on, like a few moments later, and brought Gakpo on for Jota, which was probably pre-planned. But in the past, I would have expected Jurgen, soon as we went 1-0 up, or even about the 60-odd minute mark, because we scored on... Well, the first goal was 66, but didn't count, and then it was 72. By this moment, I would have expected Klopp to fuck around, bring on your Hendersons and stuff like that, and fuck about with the team, which I thought was working quite well. We just didn't really have the break in front of goal. So, I mean, feel free to add anything on the goal, but praise to Klopp there, because he kept his... um, cards close to his chest rather than bringing on the experienced lads and and he decided to leave on Elliot and Basicic in particular. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, uh, I mean, in in terms of the goal, I'm, I'm not sure there's too much to add, but I, I'm just kind of glad with with how it played out because I, I think you know maybe there's there's players that a couple of players obviously involved who are just coming back from injury, and then also you know one who's been in for a bit of criticism lately, and and in Trent, um, and and I suppose deservedly so to a degree in that I you know I, I did think the the effort was lacking against Crystal Palace, but I, I thought he put more in today, and I'm I'm glad he got some payoff for that in in that you know obviously he was involved in the goal by putting in the free um and then with Jota as we suggested earlier you know he was definitely huffing and puffing a lot but maybe not every any much was coming off for him particularly in the first half but it did improve as things went on and I'm glad then he gets an assist for him because you know it, it, it maybe that's been the, something that's been lacking somewhat for him, not not just this season, but even towards the end of last season, where the his end product wasn't quite there. So it's good to to see him get some numbers up there. And then of course Van Dyke, as I said, he you know he's fantastic. Today. He's back to his best, and you know it's just nice to see the the the, the cherry on top. You know, get getting that goal. Um, as for Klopp, yeah, certainly. I think lately his substitutions have have been questionable. I, I think sometimes he's too slow to act, which has long been, you know, something you could criticize Klopp for throughout his his Liverpool um career. Um, 
but then at other times, you know, instead of just, you know, when, when we've started to improve and we, we've gotten a bit of tempo, then suddenly he makes a couple of changes and, and they hamper us. And it's not even necessarily him bringing on specific players, but it's just, you know, sometimes you're in a flow and, and any kind of change can take you out of that. Um, so it was good. You know, obviously he had to take off Jada. He's only on the way back. He's still not 100% fit. As you said, that was likely pre-planned. But other than that, you know, he, he kept he kept his gun in his holster, so to speak. You know, he he knew, you know, we we'd been in the ascendancy, we'd just gotten the goal, and and he could sense that there was blood there, and and there was more there for us. I'm I'm glad he he waited to to make the changes until after we got the second goal, and and it's good because you know you want to see the manager learn some lessons and then improve his game management because it, it has been a real issue for us lately. So it's a, it's a positive. Yeah, and Carl, I'll stick with you for the second goal because, as I mentioned, Gakpo comes on for Jota and he basically makes an immediate impact. Some lovely interplay with him and Simicast on the left-hand side um, leads to a nice... Uh, well, leads to Simicast in a nice position on the left-hand side. He just cuts it back to Moore, who taps it in. I mean, the goal itself is lovely, but... Please do talk about Mo. I think that's his 20th goal of the season. And in a season that I think it's fair to say he's been nowhere near his best, but he's still hitting 20 goals a season. I mean, he is... I, I've discussed this on a few podcasts. I mean, where where does where does Mo rank? Because obviously, I, I, you're slightly older than me, aren't you? So probably didn't see you, you John Barnes, obviously Kenny's and stuff. like. Where is Mo? Is he with Gerard for you, a player now? Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly has to be in in that conversation. Um, I, I mean, for me, the the three players who who probably are the the best three in my time, um, or well, actually, I, I'd say you'd have to say four, um, would probably be Steven Gerrard, Michael Owen, Luis Suarez, and Mo Salah. Um, mm. But I think you know, with with Michael Owen and uh, Luis Suarez, maybe they didn't stick around long enough. You know, maybe if they've given us an extra year or two apiece, like obviously they both did fantastic for us, you know, uh, you know, Michael Owen. If Owen uh, was involved with Istanbul, for instance. Yeah, like yeah. single-handedly, he won us a cup. You know, he was he was involved, obviously, in the, the treble that season. You know, he, he a lot of great memories there. And, you know, Suarez, unfortunately, it didn't result in, in much silverware more than a, a league cup. But, you know, he gave us one of our, you know, most memorable seasons. Um, and the, he, for me, Suarez may well be the, the most talented of of them. Um, but in terms of like their impact at Liverpool and, and who's been the, the best player at Liverpool in my time, it, it really has to be a, a toss up between Steven Gerrard and, and Mo Salah. And I mean, maybe it just gives the edge to Gerrard, given that, you know, for me, he, he did it in worse teams. And he also did it in multiple positions. You know, he was center mid. He was um, a number 10. He was on the right wing, you know, and he, he looked fantastic in all these positions. So maybe you just give him the edge and I mean, you know, given the team he did it in. But nonetheless, like Mo Salah is one of the the best Liverpool players of the, the Premier League era and, and particularly in the, the past 20 years. Um, like he's just 
he's in a complete enigma and you know it's, it's funny to think that the, I, I recall being quite excited when we signed him because you know I'd always liked the look of him uh, back when he was at Baal uh, you know given the, the few games you'd see of him in Europe and then uh, but, didn't join us the bastard <laughs> yeah well at, at first obviously but then he, he went off to Chelsea did, didn't impress and then when he was coming to us there's a lot of people who you know weren't sure on him and I'm sure now they they look back at it and laugh at themselves because he's just what what a you know when when we come out of this this era like he's he certain there's been a lot of great players you know Mane Van Dijk uh, Trent and, and obviously we, we see Allison and and some of them obviously we hope they still have more to give to Liverpool but I just think Mo Salah is going to be the one you're you're going to look at and and inevitably it's it's probably because he's an attacker and there's obviously going to be that bias for attackers but he's just unbelievable and as you said it's not been his best season I I think particularly in the first half of the season, maybe he looked burned out somewhat. Maybe last season caught up with him. You know, even towards the end of last season, he, he looked like he was starting to burn out. Yeah. And then obviously our tactics didn't have, I think earlier in the season when we were particularly using him to hug the corner flag. What was that all about? I don't know. But he, he's he's been given license to be Mo Salah more so of late and I think we've seen more of Mo Salah and I think that the partnership he seems to be striking up with Darwin Nunes is, is certainly helping I mean it's 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 like he's got Mane back you know having his, his partner in crime like it's it's just great to see and I, I, I feel like the two of them as good as they've been lately I think there's a lot more to come from them in the, the remaining weeks of the season like I, I think we could see both of them kind of pop off and uh, you know score a lot of goals between each other and and hopefully because that's that's what we need obviously if we want to try and secure our ambitions yeah and that's I think both of them are top big chances missed in the Premier League as well so you're right if that does click they'll explode now, I do agree I think the partnership there is really exciting um, we've seen more have partnerships with Bobby with Barney I think he was growing one with Jota before his injury issues um, Diaz probably not yet um, but no, I, I think Mo can connect with anyone because he's a world-class footballer. Um, but no, I mean, Justin, feel free to add anything on the goal as well. But Mo, for you, I mean, <clears throat> what, what what was the stat you put in there? Was it six years in a row he's hit 20? Six yes. years. Yeah. 20-plus goals. I mean, there's a reason that he's uh, thought of in the esteem that we hold him in. I think he's one away now from Fowler's Premier League goal total, which is uh, quite impressive considering, you know, he, he, if you if you come up with a better goal haul with a, than a man named whose nickname is God, there's there's something about mm. you. Like it, it's impossible to deny. He's just an incredible footballer who um, probably doesn't get the the credit and acclaim he deserves because the social media era has somehow decided that his comparison needs to be to Eden Hazard. Um, yes, that always that's a bugbear of mine. I, he's in a different stratosphere. Hazard went an entire year without scoring. Mo goes five games without scoring, and everybody questions if he's finished. And it's just, it's ridiculous because the guy's yeah, just been so consistent. But and, Justin, Liverpool bad. Yeah, I know. Liverpool. I'm aware. <laughs> Liverpool bad make numbers go big. Yeah, I mean, he, look, he, he's one of the two players of the Klopp era that's going to, I think, be remembered iconically in the end as one of the greatest players of his position of all time. The other being Van Dyke, because Van Dyke is just simply incredible. But, mm. um, and he's, he's, there as well. 
But yeah, yeah there are else in there too. And I mean, look, there's obviously a lot more to come from the career of Trench Alexander Arnold, who will, yes. who also will always have a certain level of um, a stigma around amongst Liverpool supporters for being scouts. But yeah, I mean, these guys are all legends for good reason, and you know, we just need their uh, their 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 transcendent um, being in the Liverpool squad to just carry us a bit further and get us back into next season's Champions League, so they can play in it again. Because um, I, I love watching them in the Champions League, and there's just something about Mo in the Champions League where he comes uh, even even bigger to life. It's the you know, it's the the whole big stage for a big player thing. Um, he he's he he really seems to take to it. Uh, but I also just thought it was really intelligent from him today too, because he doesn't, he, that, that was a cross that was hit with enough pace where Mo just knows if I put any part of my body on this and just direct it at the goal, it's going to go in. And he manages to use his left thigh to do it. Um, so it's really good body control and a really good goal from a really good goal scorer. Yeah. Agreed. Just beautifully efficient in a game where I don't think Mo was particularly good or effective. He just knobs a goal, and that'll do in a game like that. That will bloody yeah. well do. That was one today where he felt where he looked lively and like he wanted to get onto things, but nothing was coming off for him until something did. Yes. And that goal he kept running into cul de sacs, didn't he? It was a, a weird yeah. one. A weird one indeed. Uh, nothing really much else to bring bring up. I mean, Henderson comes on for Basetic. A few minutes rest for Basetic. Hopefully, he plays against uh, United, and then Bobby and Milner come on for Darwin and Trent. Um, before we go in the man of the match and stuff like that, I mean, I'll ask you both the same question, just and I'll start with you. Obviously, United's the big game, and we know it's your fault, whatever the result is, um, because you're going. But I mean, what what do you do team wise? Obviously, tonight was. More like Liverpool, it wasn't our sparkling best, but is this the team we've roll roll with with minimal tinkers? I imagine Robo coming back in for Simicast will probably ninety percent happen, but the rest of it, I think you can keep the same. Maybe Gakpo for Jota or something like that, but outside of that, I'd keep yeah, it the same. Maybe Gakpo for Jota. Um, I'm a little bit afraid of Harvey being constantly monstered by Casemiro, but mm. I don't know what else you can do because you need legs. That said. I fully expect Henderson to play. You can bring Nabi Caterin for a red card if you want. <laughs> I, it's, I feel like Henderson's going to play. Like I feel like there's a reason it starts. Though I think that I wouldn't because we 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 look better with more legs and energy. It's oh. which is the same thing we always have under Klopp, right? Like they had tr- Wolves had trouble pat- even with Harvey being you know all of his woefulness occasionally defensively. That wasn't really the that wasn't the flaw with his uh, with his with his game today. Like he was active and he and he clogged up passing lanes. The f- the things that he was doing wrong were just decisions he was making on the ball and taking one touch too many sometimes or trying to play too quick at others. But um, I think we need this level of energy because United are a, a young team that run a lot, and you, you don't beat young teams that run a lot by uh, being slower and running yeah, less. Bringing in thirty year old lads who can't run anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, someone made the point actually in one of the group chats. I mean, I think this is the first midfield we started all season where not a single player was over thirty. I always forget Fabinho's the youngest one. 
Oh, the, oh, the usual lad, isn't he? It's so weird. He looks about 40. And he runs like he's 40, but he isn't. <laughs> um, but no, no I, I agree. He probably will bring him back in Henderson. I think that's a mistake. Unless you're dropping Fabinho, because I, I just don't think they can play together anymore. But, Carl, I mean, same question to you. You can't do that with Henderson here, though. You, you can't play Henderson in the six against United. I don't care if it's an Anfield. Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not advocating it, but I just think I would rather that than play them both. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. So, Carl, um, same question to you. Yeah, I think, you know, if if I was making the decision, I, I would try to keep it relatively the same. You know, probably Robbo comes back in, but but that aside, I'd I'd go with the same team um you know maybe there's a show for Gakbo coming back in but I, I just like to stick with this three and, and let Jada continue his uh his way back to himself um but again unfortunately I agree that most likely Henderson's going to come in for um Elliot um probably with that, that physicality in, in mind um, but I would prefer we go with the, the, the youth and energy and, and movement I mean again it comes back to that point I made earlier really it's hard to pick an ideal midfield because another point I'd, I'd make really is you don't want either Henderson or Fabinho playing too many games in a row I think we saw that you know, it was one game too many for both of them against Real Madrid. And then somehow Henderson's in again against Palace and when he has completely nothing in the tank. Um, so really in an ideal world, you'd, you'd be resting Fabinho in this one, but who do you bring in? We, we don't want to see Henderson as the six. We don't really have any other options. Maybe you could move Patritich back to the six. If and, Thiago was alive, then yeah. But, you can't really I mean, but, then who, yeah, but then who do you play ahead of him? Like, it, it's just so, so difficult. Um, there, there is no ideal choice at the moment until we get Tiago back so mm-hmm. and, and even then it's 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 fantastic so um probably it's it's going to be Fabinho Batistic and, and Henderson and I'm just hoping that maybe Henderson can kind of you know we saw against Everton you know I suppose it being a derby and him being the the captain you know he, he really did a, put a lot into that first half didn't have that much time in left in the tank for the second half, but if we could see maybe a similar reaction from because it's United, because it's a derby, and and then maybe we can look to bring Elliot on from in the second half. You know that maybe that's hoping to make the best out of out of a, a not not ideal situation. I suppose we'll see how that one pans out. But regardless of who starts, you you know Justin's right. We we need to see energy in there. You know, last time we played United, it, it was like we were putting out our masters team against their under 23s you know that that's what it seemed like they just outran us everywhere they they completely ran us off the park it was embarrassing to be honest so you know i'm I'm hoping obviously with it being at home the crowd got behind us you know that i don't think that the crowd were great today but I, I think given maybe recent weeks it's, it's been really tough for them so I can understand maybe if their their energy has been sapped somewhat but I don't doubt against United they'll be completely on it and they'll, they'll get behind the team and, and push them along and I hope we see a reaction from that because we need to go for it you know United while I don't think they're in a title race I think they believe they're in a title race so I think they're going to give it their all and, and we need to match them on that and I feel like uh, going into these three games, I felt we needed to get seven points. But I was probably looking at United as the draw. Now that we had that stumble against Palace, we need to beat United for me. We need, you know, Spurs and, and Newcastle. I don't. 
one of them might drop enough points, but I don't think they both will for us to be able to have too many slip ups for ourselves. We need to win this game. Like it's it's as important to us as it is to United, maybe even more so. And, and we need to show that by by putting in the the energy and effort. So hopefully that's the reaction we see. Absolutely. And just to update the table before I go to Man of the Match um, candidates, uh, I will start with Man United because they're somewhat relevant for the game coming. They've played 24 on 49 points. Um, Tottenham in fourth played 25 on 45 points. Newcastle played 23 because we've played twice and they're at the cup final in that time. Um, So they've played 23, they're on 41 points. We've played 24 and are on 39 points. Fulham 39, Brighton 35, who have two games at hand on us and three games at hand on Tottenham for whatever reason. Um, So, yeah, that's all the way down to eighth. Um, And Brentford are on 35 points as well, just for sake of fairness. So it's very tight-knit. We are certainly back in the fight for top four, which I think people had doubts about at least. So at least the end of the season has something riding on it at least. Um, But man of the match shots. Um, Judge... Jason, Justin, I'll cover you. I will not call you Jason. Uh, Justin, your man of the match. Well, quickly on calling me Jason, my father-in-law does that every so often out of uh, reflexive habit, so no offense taken. Um, But uh, I think I've been hinting at it all all podcast. It's Virgil van Dyke. Yeah. Yep, I'd probably, he's definitely in there for me. Is he man one? We'll see what Carl says. Carl, you're man of the match. Oh, it's it's a tough one. Um, I think Van Dyke was certainly back to you know the the Van Dyke we know and love. And I, I think, as I said, that the goal was the the cherry on top. But um, I, I think my my other choice, and I guess just to be different, I'll I'll, I'll go with him. Would would be Darwin Nunes. I, I thought he was just a complete live wire throughout. I think he was really unfortunate not to get his goal, and and hopefully you know he's saving that goal for the next game. Um. So and and obviously you know he he, he creates some good chances. He he creates a goal. Like he, he's just. Yeah, he, he's just fantastic to to be honest, and and I think as I said, I just as bad as we were against Palace, I, I do think if we'd had him, he may well have been the one that tipped the scales and and got us to three points there. That's just how important he is to us at the moment. He he is that spark for me, so I'm going to go with him. I'll say Partini because he gave us something to talk about. Um... And that is it. That is the not Nina Kowser slash Guy Drinkle show, whatever the hell I'm going to call this in the tweet. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Big thank you everyone in Discord. Uh, Nina's back at the weekend, but I think I'm back on Bournemouth uh, for Bournemouth. I think that's the game after. I might be wrong, but I will be back somewhat soon. Thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.